Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. Back in October, uh, you taught on evil and suffering. It was a very interesting session. It was pretty broad and you actually uh, gave, um, you gave some, some quotes from people who really leveled insults at God. And uh, people who are respected in their fields or f- famous atheists, whatever. But wow, those, those um, insults and declarations against God were so heavy. Um, but it was weighted with this subject of evil and suffering. And they, were, uh, they, they did their best to be insulting to God. Uh, what I wanted to do for this night is actually go back and just focus on one aspect. Uh, because what I have seen about suffering, what you've seen about suffering, is that it is it's broad. And uh, if you didn't have to deal with all the scriptures on suffering, if you just focused in on the suffering that Jesus did for us in his death burial, uh, in the torture that led up to that, um, mm, it would be one thing. But actually there's some, and I say this respectfully, there's some pesky verses of scripture that have demanded looking again and looking again and looking in different translations and going back and forth and... um, saying, oh, God, help me to see this because truth doesn't bind you. It actually makes you free. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am so keen to chew this. Now, before we get going, we want to just in, uh, just tell all of our um, the people that are joining at any time online, we, we want to welcome you. We want you to really enjoy this night. And um, Mitch is somebody I greatly respect and I love him he's my son-in-law but it works out really good because we have lively discussion robust discussion and what I appreciate about him uh, I think what Tony and I appreciate him the most about is that he loves God number two he loves our daughter absolutely loves our daughter but um Another thing that I appreciate about Mitch is that um, he he loves to chew on the word, and so uh, we get to get together. Uh, often we just plunge somewhere in the word, and it won't just be the beaten trail. It'll it'll actually grab verses of scripture that may be like. Wait, what does that mean? Not the ones that we've figured out. You don't even have to think when you say, um, you know, I like those. But I also like these others that um, they beg actually a bit of discussion. So uh, we're going to, 
to pitch in here in just a little bit, but uh, you were talking about, if you can just give us context, because uh, it was that October worldview that I thought, ah, I want to dig into this some more. So we're doing it tonight, but absolutely, disclaimer, no way are we exhausting the subject on suffering. No way. In fact, we had to really work on trying to hone it down to one aspect and then only an aspect of that aspect. But tell us a little bit about the context of... Yeah, so we looked at, we did an introduction um, in October last year on evil and suffering in the broader um, sphere of worldview. So looking at how does a Christian look at suffering and evil. Um, and I think we focus mostly on the logical and the uh, probabilistic or the evidential aspect of suffering, um, looking at how God's existence is compatible with the existence of evil. Um, and then, Which is a problem to some people. Yeah, they can't is, imagine, yeah. they cannot put him in the same picture. Yeah. So then they decided there's not a God because there is evil. That's why those objections in those videos we played last time, yeah, you have so guys good. like Richard Dawkins and, and others who, like you say, respect in their field, they would come up against God and say it's not possible for God to exist if evil exists. So we, we tackled those things. But that's not all you can look at when you look at suffering and evil. Um, we did briefly touch on scripture and some of the biblical um, important aspects. It was an introduction, so we, we couldn't cover everything. Um, so tonight we've decided to go into that a little bit more, but touch more heavily on that biblical side of things. So, um, yeah, good. Yeah, I think it's really, really important. It is, isn't it? Super. Uh, why don't you just pray and, and for our time tonight? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight and um, this topic, God, a difficult one, but Lord, mm -hmm. one that... Um, reveals yourself, reveals more about um, truth, more about the world that we live in, um, that we can come to know you more and uh, come to know you a lot deeper, Lord, through it. And God, we just pray, Lord, that um, truth will be spoken tonight, that will speak clearly and um, help us to speak in a way that is sensitive, God, and um, we give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, when we were discussing this evening, we decided that we would start with a di disclaimer that uh, we're, we're just learning mm. and ever going to learn. So this is not uh, any way comprehensive in the area of focus, but it certainly is going to be beautiful because it's going to be about Jesus. Don't we love him? And any kind of discussion is of him is just beautiful. Um, I'm going to pick up I'm just as a way of introduction, and then uh, then I have some questions for Mitch. He's going to we're just going to chew on this a bit. But this morning uh, we we made um, we made mention of the fact that we're coming up into Easter, where uh, we actually focus more on the torture and the um, the lead up to the cross, including the cross, and then the death of Jesus, his, his passion. And it's so pivotal in all of human history. It's, 
and will never tire of looking at it. Um, his profound suffering, and yet that suffering did not stop human suffering. I think that's very interesting. He suffered on our behalf, and yet it did not stop human suffering. But what it did do is provide an intervention, the possibility of intervention into human suffering and suffering and provide answer for it. We know that sin brings death, and as long as there is sin, there is going to be suffering. And so, um, but not all suffering is the same. Brother Hagen said on the subject of prayer, and we've said it on these prayer nights, if you put all prayer together, all the different kinds of prayer together in a sack, shake it up and throw it out on the table and just say prayer's prayer, you'll be hopelessly confused by the scripture on the subject of prayer because there are different kinds of prayer. Suffering is the same way. If you put all suffering in a bag, shake it up, and throw it out on the table, you will become hopelessly confused at all the verses of Scripture that are in not just the old. I'm talking about epistles, so as, as, as well as what Jesus was saying. So uh, it is important that we, um, that we actually focus in on one kind. We're not tonight talking as much as we respect it. We are not talking about Jesus' suffering uh, on the cross, in Pilate's judgment hall, Gethsemane. We're not going to be talking about that. It's very sacred, entire, beautiful. But that is not the suffering that we're going to look at tonight. The suffering that we're going to hone in on tonight is actually Jesus' suffering before Gethsemane. We're going to look at Jesus' suffering in his life and in his three years of ministry. I didn't even really think about him suffering as a human. I knew he suffered for humans, but that he suffered. And then what did that look like? How did that look? How, how was that? We're going to look at especially his ministry and where there was suffering in that. So we're, we're going to hone in on that tonight. All right. So um, the first question is, what did Jesus do in his life to intervene with suffering? I mean, with the world that, that Jesus came to was not a perfect world. It was actually one that was under... Uh, tremendous suffering from the Roman Empire as well as just normal Christ or I mean uh, human suffering. Oh, what did Jesus do pre-cross? What did he do to intervene in that suffering? This is one of the mysteries of the incarnation for me. It, it, we see that God becomes human and takes on flesh and comes and lives with us. Um, as mysterious as that is from a miraculous point of view, there is a part of it that is distinct, and that is looking at the suffering that God took upon himself in Christ um, to a kind of degree that he had never done before. Um, 
physically living amongst us, walking with us, um, there's a mystery there too that, you know, as to why God would enter so deeply into our world to even experience the things that we experience like suffering and then eventually death. Like that is profound um, for me. Um, so there's that. God entered into the world and uh, this is why Christmas is so amazing and we celebrate the birth of Christ. But there's something really profound there in the incarnation. He chose to suffer with us. That says something about God. It says something about his disposition towards suffering um, and how he can relate to us. So that, to me, is really, really powerful. I do, too. I think that the incarnation, uh, we skip over, we celebrate his death, burial, and resurrection, but to celebrate his life that made him qualified, really, to, uh, to be our, our sacrifice. This verse of scripture in Hebrews 2, 17 and 18, it says, therefore it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest. Apparently, if he wasn't made exactly like us, he couldn't have been our merciful and faithful high priest. Yeah. And that is his ministry even today. Uh, then he could offer a sacrifice that could take away the sins of the people since he himself has gone through suffering. And that was prior being wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. He himself has gone through suffering and testing. He is able to help us when we're being tested. So that's the incarnation that you're talking about. It's amazing, isn't it? Read, um, there's that other verse of scripture, if you can read uh, Hebrews, the fifth chapter, the fifth chapter in verse seven, it's on the back of that, the fifth chapter in verse seven, the same. Yeah, so it says. Um, Excuse me, four, four fifteen. verse 15, uh-huh. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Yeah, so. That's amazing. Mm. So it was like God wanted him to experience uh, not the best, just the best of, of the world. You know, yeah. years ago, um, I had the opportunity to go to uh, the Soviet Union. It was back in those days called the Soviet Union. And it was before the wall came down and all that kind of thing. And as a tourist, you were only able to go to certain places. You could not go to where just the normal people lived. You could only go to where the tourists were. And they prepared those places to look good. Uh, it was clean. It was different. Uh, but we broke away, actually, from, and we snuck out and went actually to where the people were. It's shocking. Shocking. The smell, the stench, the filth, the pain. It was so different. And I think when Jesus came to earth, you were talking about the incarnation, God didn't arrange a holiday for him to earth to visit all the nice sights. 
and all experience the best restaurants and and all the uh, everything good about it. Mm, mm, no purposefully he arranged that Jesus experience human pain how could that have looked i mean what would jesus have seen then oh man i mean it's a it's a very difficult question because um this is getting at the heart of like atonement even looking at what jesus did and and how his sacrifice mm -hmm. um atoned for our sins and how it also reconciled us back to to the father yeah. um it's looking at the purpose of his birth the purpose of him coming into the world um it, like you said it wasn't this here's jesus riding on this victorious horse as just this king that's going to rule on earth um he came as a humble servant um and he came uh, destined to die he came that he would offer up his life um so there's this it's it's i mean what would that have felt like yeah um he would have seen he would have seen because the people were under roman mm. rule he would have seen his neighbors suffer mm. um he would have seen injustice mm. he would have seen physical pain he would have seen I think there's a real pain that happens with injustice that you can't do anything about. Oh, yeah. Mm. So he would have been exposed to all of that. So, But tonight we want to kind of hone in on, on how he intervened, uh, exactly how he intervened. And if we have time, we'll look at his anointed ministry. But can we just get on to what you found about compassion and how compassion interrupted or intervened into, yeah, what, what have you seen about his ministry? So with compassion, this is one of the things that I noticed was really, really fascinating when I did a bit more of a study on the biblical side of this. So uh, what's, what scripture makes really, really clear, and it repeats it over and over again, um, is God's response to suffering. Um, you don't see Jesus walking around and scoffing and laughing at people's um, suffering in general, getting joy out of it. Um, mm. He's not amused. He's not looking at it like this is such a great thing. It's a total opposite. And it shows you something about the character and the nature of God. So Jesus did everything that the Father, basically that everything that Jesus did mm -hmm. was what the Father did also. Um, so he only ever did what the Father did. It was only the, this exact representation of God shown through the Son. Um, and so by seeing Jesus' response to suffering, it really gives us a, a real insight into what we're dealing with when we talk about God. What's God like mm. when we look at suffering in the world? Um, for me, this is one of the biggest questions uh, when we look at suffering and evil. It's what is God like during this? What's God's attitude, so to speak, towards this? Um, what do I think about God when I'm in the midst of suffering? Um, when I see suffering in my own life or when I see suffering around the world and I see children 
that are suffering and I see parents that are suffering and people of all kind, right? Um, what's God like? To me, that's a really, really big question. And when I see Jesus moving with compassion, that mm. gives me the best understanding that I can see about the question, what's God like? We can look at Jesus as that perfect representation of who God is. So, I mean, there's scriptures and scriptures. Do, do we want to yeah, go through yeah. some of the... Dive into them because um, I just think it is such a picture of God. We can see in Mark chapter 1, verse 41, and if you have your Bible, you can, you can follow as well. Um, just one example says that, God, that Jesus moved with compassion. So moving with compassion, he reached out and touched him. I am willing, he says, be healed. So here we have, uh, in the context of this, someone who is um, sick or um, with a withered, withered hand, leprosy, and Jesus moved with compassion in response to seeing sickness. Not, well, you've probably earned it, you've probably deserved it, um, good riddance, you're stuck with it. It was like, this guy's sick, and I don't feel good about this. And so God moved with compassion interjects into that situation and changes it from his current spot of being sick and then God heals. You know that it's verse amazing. Um, it, that sticks out to me when you read it, it says that he moved as opposed to staying still or just sitting back and um, observing it. And maybe just talking to friends and saying, oh, isn't that a shame? Mm. He actually was motivated by this thing that the Bible calls compassion. And then, it, what does it say? He moved with compassion and did what? He said, I am willing. He said, be healed. Wow. Yeah, in response, yeah. Yeah. Be healed. Do another one. There's another one. Because there's heaps of them. There's a lot. Um, so Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. So we see God looking at our problems, our stresses, our heavy laden situation our weariness, and Jesus is saying he's not content with that. He's not okay just letting that be there and sit there and us stew in it. He says something different and says, come to me if you're weary. I'll give you rest. Wow. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't scold you for being weary mm. or school you on the reasons why you are weary. Mm. He just said, if you are, then come. Mm. I love that picture of compassion. Mm. Do, the, do another one. Yeah. Luke seven thirteen. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassionate for her and said to her, do not weep. So Jesus seeing her in her sorrow, in her sadness, in her tears, all of it. There was probably snot. There was probably just a mess. <laughs> she was he the moved. widow of, of Nain. Yeah. She just lost her son. And Jesus moves with compassion and says to her, um, do not weep. I'm sure he would have actually have been com completely moved by that, perhaps even crying with her or something like that. Um, he moves and is completely moved 
not just acts upon it, but it, cha- it does something to the heart of God where he moves with that and responds to suffering um, and is against it. So, with exactly, mm. here, uh, resurrection, okay, he's healed, he's healed in one of those other ones that you read, and he, he encourages interaction, uh, but this one, he releases resurrection power. Mm. I mean, what a miracle, and what inspires it mm. is... His compassion. His, his compassion. It's not a. It's not a, a lust for power or to be famous or have a great ministry. It's compassion for the mom. Mm. It just shows how much he loves us. It shows um, his attribute of love, his care towards us. Um, God is not this distant God. Um, we can see that in the incarnation. He becomes very close with us. And we can see with Jesus, he moves and heals. Mm. He moves with compassion. It's just more emphasis to show us that God is not distant and he's not uncaring, but he's close. He loves us. Um, and it's a great encouragement for us who experience suffering and yeah. to whatever degree. Yeah. Um, it gives us hope. It gives us hope. That God Do is Do another one. I'm, I love these. Don't you find them so comforting really even just a simple one with Matthew 9:36 saying that mm. seeing the people he felt compassionate for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd just even being distressed mm. right i'm not being mentally all there or just being mm. um having that problem just stressed god moves and and feels compassion towards that Wow. I mean, even the simple things, right? Not, it doesn't have to always be the, the grand, big things. Um, he moves with compassion on this, even the small little suffering things, right? Um, and part of the reason I think that that's so powerful is that he became like us and experienced things like us, yeah. suffered yeah. with us, yeah. um, so that we can look to him like a perfect tutor. We can be like, well, you've, you've been here. You've done that. Yes. You know, it's like... It helps us relate, I think, to God. It really does. And um, what he followed that up with when he saw them, like sheep scattered, having no shepherd, being distressed. And then he said, pray the Lord of the harvest that he would send labors into the harvest. So uh, that compassion for the people actually was the motivation for prayer. So it wasn't just his desire to have a great prayer ministry and to be, you know, amazing in the area of prayer. Prayer poured out of what he, he saw, just the general people being distressed. I like that translation because I reckon right now if we look around the, this, the communities that we're in, you go shop and you see people distressed because of what's going on in the world. They're just distressed. And if we can see through his eyes, he's not just observing them or tolerating their distress or aggravated with their distress or what's wrong with these people? Why don't they see it the way we see it? He's actually moved with compassion. And out of, out of that prayer then, we go down to chapter 10 that's where he starts calling his disciples to himself and giving them power. It was all motivated 
all of that calling and equipping was motivated out of love. Wow. It's incredible. That's powerful. There are, there are so many. There are so many scripture verses on compassion. I think I found like 20 in just um, a small section in the Gospels. And then, you know, you could just go on and on and on about that. Um, we're not, we're pro- I'll, I'll give like two more. Pick, pickle. Yeah, okay, um, okay, okay. So then Matthew 14, verse 14. Um, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. So again, we see a healing taking place that's sourced by God's compassion towards those who are sick. So he sees the sick and... It's just, it must have been awesome walking around in that time with Jesus and just seeing him confront people who are um, sick. And just, you get on a boat, you get onto a shore, you walk on up, and then there's a bunch of people sick, and Jesus just like feels for them. He's moved for them. And then he just lays hands. People, people who are sick are just getting healed, left, right, and center. Um, God doesn't do anything purposelessly. No. He, he always does something with a purpose. Mm. And when you see Jesus heal people like this, you've got to ask the question, what is this showing me about God? Mm. Why did Jesus heal random people who aren't even mentioned? Their names aren't in the scripture, just people. Why is that there as opposed to all the countless other things that you could have said about Jesus? And that the scripture also tells us that too much was done, yeah. that they couldn't record all of it. And so it was just small amounts that were recorded, right? Yeah. I mean, why did that get put in there? I think it just re-emphasizes again and again something that God finds super important, something for us to know about him. I think because suffering is so, at times, in your face. It is. And so I think it's good. God realizes that. He knows that firsthand. Yeah. And so why, you know, why not remind people over and over again yes. you know so I think it's, it just gives us great insight to what it God does. is like it does mm. he didn't want us to miss the point did he but when we're talking about um, because it, this that terminology except for some of those ones that you would have but uh, the terminology when he saw or when he heard their cry I know two blind men had were crying out Jesus the son of David you know and he had compassion because he heard them. So what he saw or what he heard, um, then it says that he was he had compassion or he was moved with compassion. Mitch, could compassion also indicate to us that in Jesus' feeling for what he saw or the sense that he had, wasn't a pleasant feeling. In other words, when he saw them suffer, it wasn't like, well done, way to suffer. (laughs) But it was actually the opposite. That compassion actually denotes, and here's the the interesting thing, denotes pain. Mm. That you're sharing somebody's, you're willing to um, to also be touched with the feeling of their infirmity. And in Hebrews 4.15 says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He, he was tested in everything, yet we, he didn't sin, but, but he was still touched with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, because all of these different ones that, that you mentioned and other ones that you 
it didn't even get to. They're, they are actually accounts of suffering. And his response was compassion. So, I don't know, it, what, what do you think about compassion yeah. also being a, um, a word that connects the sufferer yeah. to the answer, the sufferer yeah. to the, the one with the healing. And so the one with compassion is the one that connects to the help and connects to the hurt. It's, it's huge. So it, it wouldn't make a lot of sense if I was to um, say to you that I feel very compassionate towards you while you're in your health. While you're feeling really healthy, I'm just so compassionate towards you. Um, I'm going to bear your burden there. You know, uh, it doesn't make sense. And the reason why is obvious. Um, suffering is bad. It's not good. You don't really need to do a, a study on that to know that. We all know that. Um, but it, it does, sometimes these simple things are, are good to think about because um, it helps you be grounded in something that's very profound, even if it's just simple. Um, suffering is bad. And God knows this. And so if you trace it all the way back to the start in Genesis, you can see that God sees the difference between good and bad, gives the option of good and bad to humans or to, to Adam and gives them a choice. And so we see that bad is a, it's a terrible, terrible thing. And, and from what results from that is the suffering from just one choice of disobedience, of rejection of God. You can see that God knows it's not a good path to go down. And so when God sees us make choices that results in suffering, but even suffering that's not resulted from choice. Not all suffering is a result from our choice directly, uh, at least now in, the, in a fallen world. Um, but God still moves with compassion and sees that it's, it's something to be frowned upon. It's something to be sad about. And it, it shows you that something's wrong with the world. So that's, that's one thing that I found was interesting when I looked at this and thought through this some more. Um, there is a lot to talk about on this, and I can even hear thinking of lots of different tangents, so I'll try to stay on, on topic. But there's so much here with what you've asked um, that there's a connection between the person who suffers and the person um, who's there to almost share in that or to have a union. There's a kind of a unity there, right? When someone's suffering, um, you see many scriptures that talk about having that, bearing that suffering with that other person um, as a way of also just becoming um, fulfilled in who you are as a person also. Sharing suffering with one another, it, it, it's not like it's always easy. I mean, it's meant to be difficult in that sense. Um, you grow as a person. You become sanctified as a person. Um, and it's a display of love and selflessness towards another who's suffering. So there is a connection that's, that's always there. Um, and that was modeled perfectly by Jesus first. We can see that Jesus showed us that. Um, but there's, there's so much there. I wonder if I'm just rambling here now. But. No, I think, I think you're, you're dancing around some, something that maybe we're going to need to get into 
Because with Jesus being uh, our example, and he is the prototype, as it were, I hope that's not a disrespectful a good name for him, but a prototype of what a son of God looks like and what a son of God acts like. If you want to know what a son of God, how, how he can function and how he represents God, then you look at Jesus. Yeah. So not only when you look at Jesus do you see what God is like, but when we look at Jesus, we can see what we're to look like as well. Mm. Mm. So... Um, I think that um, I think that what I'm picturing, you know, when Jesus was encountering in his condescension, in his that incarnation, in his living, uh, John the first chapter and verse 14, he lived among us, and he was living among suffering. Uh, he didn't just observe it with a cavalier attitude or just take notes on it. He, he moved in closer where actually um, he shared that suffering mm. with them. It was not his own pain. It was their pain. But in his identification with man, he had to identify not with man as God originally created, but he had to identify with man as, men, as man had become mm. in the fall, mm. which involved pain. And I, I just love that he, uh, he actually moved in close and was, was with us and was close enough to feel it and to smell it and to uh, not just, just look upon it. And um, I think then as our example, oh, God, help us move from just observing pain. Yes. I, because you can see how, how um, compassion then became the channel between God's power and love to the person who needed it. Yeah. Jesus was this m amazing mediator and channel to facilitate. And if he hadn't have done that, those people may have thought God doesn't care. Those people may have thought God did it. Yeah. Those people could have thought there is no God. Yeah. So this mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, is critical in making God real to people or they may come up with wrong conclusions and it makes us wonder. The wrong conclusions that suffering people or people that are observing suffering and can't do anything about it because they don't have the power. They have the will to change people's lives, but they don't have the power to do it. And they see God has the power to do it, but not the will. And that makes people mad at God. Yeah, it's an attack on the character of God to say you you can do something about it and you won't but why aren't you know you don't want to so even if God does exist for for a non-believer if they ask the question even if you do exist God um, why would I want anything to do with you you clearly want nothing to do with me you know so there's this idea of regardless of whether I whether you exist or not I don't want you I don't, I don't believe you. in you mm. um, 
And so I think perhaps God thought through that too. Yeah. And just went, well, I'm going to meet them where they're at also. Yeah. So that they are confident of my ability and my desire. Uh, one of the ones that you read, that was what Jesus said. I am willing. Yeah, I am willing. I am willing. Because yeah. uh, he said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I got that covered. I am willing. Um, he knew he was able when he asked that question, right? And he's true. like, you can do it. But he's like, are you willing? Do you want to? Yeah. And it's a radical thing to think about for to think of God, just for a second, to think of this, that God would suffer in Christ. <laughs> I mean, if you think of a king who is, you know, in all his glory, almost untouchable, why would a king go through suffering or small, medial things? Like, he wouldn't. He's, he's so great. He's so big. Um, and so, the, and you look at other religions in the world too, right? So you can see this picture of, God or their gods being so transcendent and so other that um, they don't suffer at all. They don't mingle with humans in our little world. Um, They're too big for that. They're too great for that. And yet here is God who is the greatest conceivable being suffering and taking on flesh and taking on the limitations of humanity and all of that that comes with it, the, the weaknesses, the natural dispositions to the world and to the natural laws around us, um, to sin and to death, um, yeah. yet without sinning. Yet without still, sinning. Still experiencing the results and the consequences of yeah. sin in our world. Um, it's a profound, profound it is a thing profound, that God it would almost, do that. It's hard to get your yeah. head around, isn't it? I love that verse of scripture that we, we did look at, though, from Hebrews, that he, he was in all areas tested, yet without sin. And God, on purpose, exposed him to things that maybe um, uh, an, one individual may not be exposed to so many different kinds of suffering. But I believe that uh, on in Jesus's earthly life leading up to his ministry, he was intentionally, by the will of God, exposed to things. And I, it makes it makes us wonder, Mitch. In our lives, we've been exposed to either on a personal level, on a very personal level, we've been exposed to suffering or pain, or we have observed it. In other people, um, you you can either harden to it and end up like end up like in the parable that Jesus gave of the good Samaritan. That was another compassion verse of scripture, because the good Samaritan, the Bible said, had compassion on that guy that had been beaten. Um, but the religious people actually saw the guy, and instead of it moving them to compassion, it moved them to the other side of the street. They actually put distance between them and the guy that had been clobbered. I think that's really confronting for us. Jesus' life 
as um, an example for us then is very confrontive to us because when we see pain, I think when we see pain in people, uh, we have to decide what we're going to do with it. And Jesus didn't heal um, everybody that he ever saw that was in pain. He didn't do that. On occasions, he healed everybody, and he delivered people. But what we do know is that when he did see some, some people and he was moved with compassion, maybe if we're seeing things that we're backing off from, could it be? But what does us moving with compassion and moving in, what could that look like for us, Mitch, on a practical level? Instead of looking at the Great Samaritan story with the religious people yeah. who just walked past, yeah. you have those two options. You can choose to say, that's extra work, that's uncomfortable, that's going to cost me some money, that's going to cost me some time and stress to help this person or to share this burden um, or to reach out um, or you have the other alternative which is to just do something about it um, with whatever power you have even if it's just a little thing um, and help what, what would that be like if we all did that I know it's hard to imagine really what that would what the world would look like it might look like heaven to be honest, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to picture a world where nobody cared for themselves more than others. Uh, I think the, the root problem is really just this desire for ourself before everyone else or anyone else. Yeah, where love you know. ends up laying down your life for other people. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that Jesus' life for us is a confronting thing. Um, I'm thinking about how simple it was for Jesus just to say he just moved forward. It was a physical movement. Um, could we do that sometime if somebody is in pain rather than staying stationary where we are? What if we literally... And physically, if we notice their pain and something moved in us, and compassion is something of the spirit, is not a you know, it's not like oh you poor thing, oh. it's not pity, it's something on the inside that goes you hurt, and, it, and that's why I think compassion hurts. You you sense, but it's not your pain. You sense their pain. And when you do, if you move into it, and Jesus, you know, he, he didn't do like outlandish things. He didn't, you know, wave his arms and say abracadabra. You know, he, wasn't, he wasn't all magical and mystical. He just, he just moved in, touched. He moved in, spoke a word. What if we just even started there? And that, that the Good Samaritan moved in and just thought, well, what can I do? And then he got some help. He didn't all do everything all just by himself, but he got some help. Uh, the innkeeper helped him and maybe, yeah. 
And literally, if we are um, the body of Christ and Jesus, when he was moved with compassion, it wasn't just something that he thought in his head. He didn't just think compassion. You know, it wasn't some weird woo-woo thing. Um, it, It involved him physically, didn't it? Could it be that we be in the body of Christ, that the compassion of God that still exists, the power of God that's still there, the willingness of God that is still there, needs our bodies? I I really think so. I think there's something really important there. You mentioned just before about those um, biblical motifs about sharing one another's burden and moving with compassion does hurt it's um it's empathy mm-hmm. it's um it's not just sitting back with your happiness and and your pleasantries it's i'm going to move in and and willingly and intentionally feel a little bit less happy or feel a little bit less content um knowing what they're going through right you know like ignorance is bliss we hear that um sometimes it's really nice not to know certain things because you feel like if I know something, I might have to do something about it. <laughs> so it's like I'll stay away from knowing that. Um, but to bear one another's burdens is like you're, you're willingly rejecting ignorance and at the same time reject, rejecting potential bliss. Mm-hmm. And so you're moving in to help someone and feeling their pain and suffering a little bit with them. So you will feel more suffering, but in the hopes that they feel less because it's not mm-hmm. just about you. It's not just about me. It's also about helping other people and helping them stress less and worry less, right? That's what Jesus did. And so we've got that mandate on us as Christians to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. And that's not always an easy task. Taking a cross is not an easy thing. Your whole life has to reflect Jesus. It's the hardest thing you can do is to try to live a a consistent Christian life because it is the complete denial of, of just the self. Jesus says, you must deny yourself, take up my cross, follow me. Um, It seems so natural. Daily, to to do that actually daily. It's not just once a week on the Sunday or for Easter. Or it's like every day presents new opportunities where you can either be very selfish or you can be selfless and love others. There's this, I wanted to read maybe two scriptures on that. Yeah, I do. Galatians 6 verse 2 says to carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that interesting wording? Fulfilling the law of Christ to carry one another's burdens. That's like it's been synthesized with um, loving one another. The greatest of these commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself who Jesus was speaking to. That was what they were commanded to do in that context. Uh, And for us too, to love God, to love others. Um, And yet he kind of makes that, he brings those together. Carrying one another's burdens is an example of loving one another. That fulfills the law of Christ. It's like, what more do I need to do in this law to follow you, Jesus? And he's like, just love one another, bear one another's burdens, be there for your friend when they're sad. Be there for your brother when he's ill. Um, be there for your enemy, someone that you're maybe not close friends with. 
who you might find difficult to have conversations with for whatever reason, that there too. Um, challenging. Second Corinthians 1 and 3 to 4 says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we too can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So it's kind of like God's giving us that tool that we need to equip us to help or to do the task. And so God moves with compassion towards us Mm. and fuels us Mm. and gives us that strength so that when we see others who suffer, we can move with that same power to relieve their suffering as well, to help share the load. Um, And so it's just this awesome picture of God giving us what we need so that we can go and do the Get task for yeah, God. Yeah, I love that. And so. I, like, I like how it uh, diminishes uh, the attack of the devil in our lives when we receive comfort or we receive healing or we receive uh, deliverance from God. Uh, I see that as being a conqueror. But giving it to other people passing that victory on to other people, I see that as more than a conqueror. Because you're not just winning, but you're helping them win. I, I um, probably, I can't even count the times I've heard Brother Hagen give his testimony of when, uh, of how he was born with a deformed heart and an incurable blood disease. And he eventually became uh, partially uh, paralyzed and he could not get out of bed and he was just what 15 and then 16 years old completely completely bedridden and um and dying and he knew he was dying and his blood was orange instead of red and and you know he was just just so sick and had been sick all of his life and um and then of course you know um he was healed and uh illumination of the word of God, the word of God, Mark eleven twenty three, became real to him and, um, and he was made whole. And it, it was, it was really amazing, but this is the deal. He remembered, he never forgot those days on the bed. He never forgot that he was able, not able to run and play with other little children. And that's exactly the way he'd say it that way. He said, I was never able to run and play with other children. He never forgot that at times when he was a little boy, he had to take a knife out of his mother's hand as she was starting to try to kill herself with a knife. He never forgot. That's real suffering. He never forgot that. And I, I then can't forget when he would start telling that, how his eyes would start to glisten with tears and compassion. And he never looked at sick people as just a ministry line. He felt their pain. And so I just see that great healing ministry comes, uh, and I'm going to say it two different ways, either through people becoming triumphant and experience and be, being a conqueror in that area of sickness themselves 
But then what happens if you've never been really that sick? Can you be used of God in compassion? And I think what you just got through sharing about the daily taking up your cross and living, living a, a selfless life positions you and actually stretches your spirit and conditions your spirit to be a conduit of compassion. Because in laying down your own life, in choosing to notice other people, you can exercise compassion. Where um, and exercise the sensitivity to other people's needs, empathy. Where you know, Brother Hagen, Oral Roberts, we we shared about that. Oral Roberts also t uh, tuberculosis. Lester Summerall tuberculosis. Um, a. A. Allen, he had something. Uh, William Branham, also himself, and other other kids, his children, uh, uh, and so um, you you go through great those great healing evangelists that became conduits for multitudes of people to be healed, and they were not foreign to pain. But it is possible for people who haven't gone the route of near-death experience if we'll do just what you said on a daily basis. God can condition us and prepare us as a vessel of great, great compassion. I want that. I want that. I want it for the people who are suffering. But I also want it for his glory so that they don't have the wrong impression of him. I want him to be known. And this morning we were singing wonderful songs in church about I, I want to, you know, about I want to know him and, and wonderful prayerful songs like that. I do. But I want people to know him too. How? How are they going to know him? Especially if they're suffering. So I think I think there's been some good things that have come out tonight. Yeah. One of the things that um, comes to mind is that's how the world will know that we're of Him. Also, is that the love that we have for one another? It's a yeah. clear sign um, that God's with you, that God's moving in you. Is that that love that we have for one another? Isn't it? It's it's um, it's yes. an evidence. Yes. People see that and think something's going on that's a little bit different. And it's because it's natural often to just fall back into that neutral position of just care about myself. I'm, I'm, so, I'm super aware of what that's like. Yeah. Like, you know, I want Me to too. be the first person to say that Me I'm too. not preaching at anybody here. Like, I, I'm no. confronted with what it feels like to be selfish. I really am. Um, yeah. And so I need this. I do uh, too. It's kind of, you know. Uh, it is confronting. It's not, it's not easy. And I think it wouldn't be a great calling if it was super easy. That's one of the beautiful things about it. And if someone doesn't suffer much or hasn't had much suffering, and like you're saying, you know, can't relate to people who've experienced so much suffering. And, you know, here you are in Brisbane with like a nice comfortable house and whatever is going on. You feel like, how can I be used by God? We don't know the ramifications or the consequences of even just a small 
act of kindness, did that butterfly effect or that ripple effect. We don't know what those little things are going to do. And I'm reminded of this constantly with just story after story that I'll hear from time to time where someone says, you, you spoke to me or you said this or you encouraged me and, you know, you have no idea what that did to me. I, I took that and mm-hmm. it changed my life mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for that or just yeah. little things like that. Yeah. You didn't do anything grand but you just did something small, something nice, something selfless and um, if everyone did that, it would change the world. I believe that, Mitch. I believe it. Let's be his hands. Let's be his feet. Let's move in. Can you wrap us up in prayer tonight? I'm just so glad you all came tonight, and it just has been wonderful just to soak in this subject a little bit, chew it up. And another thing that was uh, Mitch and I's heart's desire is um, if you can get stirred up to do your own study in this area too, it'd be great. These words like compassion or, or love or suffering, as you're reading the Bible now, the, those words will stand out extra to you. So go ahead. And there's a special union that we have with Christ when we experience suffering. The scripture talks about over and over again also. Um, and we've got these verses here in case we got to it, but there's so much to talk about. We, we don't have time, but there's union. There's a special unity with Christ or in Christ um, with believers when we share in those sufferings of Christ and there's mystery there I don't know what that means Um, I can punt at it but just study it search the scriptures for it meditate on it pray over it um, read commentaries and see what other great teachers of the past have said on it also that's helpful but um, there's so much on this topic and you could do a full series but um it's been good. Thank you for the opportunity tonight to talk on this. Thank it's, you. It's been really it's been good to chat with you, yeah. as always. Okay. We'll pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth, Lord, that has the power to change our lives. Thank you, God, that you're not distant, that you're near us. Lord, that you're not um, afraid to step into our world and to experience trials and to experience pain and to experience limitations and suffering and thank you God that we can look to you we can relate to you as not just this unknown God that Paul talked about in Acts but there's this God that we can actually know and that's revealed perfectly through your son Jesus thank you Lord that you made a way through your son and the cross And thank you, Lord, that you care about us even now in our moments of suffering, whatever size or shape that might be. And God, we just pray for strength and endurance for uh, anyone who might be listening who's currently experiencing suffering. Lord, um, for whatever we haven't touched on or answers that haven't been given tonight, Lord, that perhaps could have or should have, Lord, we just thank you that you are there. You're our ever-present help in time of need, God, that you're with us. And you'll never abandon us. And so we just thank you, God, you're with us today. Um, Bless the rest of this week in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. 
If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at brainer.org.au.